Good morning, everyone. It's a real privilege to be with you on this uh, phenomenal Sunday morning. Uh, my name is Rainer. I serve as a church plant resident at Ruta Fellowship. And uh, this morning, I also have the privilege of being joined by uh, Pastor One and Pastor Jono, our two pastors. Now, gentlemen, I have to say, when we did uh, All In for Transcultural, Volume 2, I thought you guys absolutely killed it. And uh, that was actually the tag team championship one right there. So to be brought into the tag team, I deem it as a real privilege. How are you guys this morning? Morning, Rainer. Uh, morning, family. Good to be together. Morning, Pastor uh, Yeah, we're good. I'm excited about uh, this, this, uh, this exercise, man. Looking forward to it. Yeah, morning, guys. Uh, I'm always excited um, when we get together. Uh, I know it's not first choice. You know, first choice would obviously be uh, together uh, in one another's physical presence. Um, but uh, I'm thankful for technology and so together this way uh, and to be reminded of uh, who we are and who we serve is, is just a privilege. So excited as always. Yeah. So as a church, we still believe in the public reading of scripture. We still believe that the scriptures should be poured over us. We still believe that we should in some way or form or shape gather as a church community uh, on a certain rhythm during the week uh, to gather around the word and to worship God in spirit and in truth and to engage with the Bible. Now, today is the start of a new series, which we are really, really excited about. And it is a series that will take us through the Gospel of Mark. So, Ona, let me ask you as our lead pastor right off the bat, why are we going to walk through a gospel as a church now during lockdown and hashtag COVID-19? Great question. Um, I'll give you three quick reasons why I believe it's important and necessary to walk through a gospel. Number one, it's that it's the word of God. And, uh, and the word of God is rich. It's beautiful. Um, it's necessary for our souls. Uh, and so yeah. any piece of scripture will always be good for us. Uh, number two is we've just come out of uh, Good Friday and Easter Sunday. And so we looked at the uh, crucifixion, the, the death of Jesus, uh, that leads us into his resurrection. Um, but when we look at the Gospels, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we're going to be looking at Mark for these next few weeks, uh, we're now looking at his incarnation. All right. So the first uh, Good Friday and Easter Sunday looks at his death, which is very, very important for the Gospel. Uh, but his incarnation is also, also vital for the application of the Gospel. The power of the Gospel exists in the fact that Jesus came into creation and lived among us. And so when we look at the Gospels, it's like looking at the life of Jesus. It's like watching him walk uh, from town to town, region to region, uh, doing the ministry that he was called to. And so it allows us to kind of see him uh, as he was and then begin to apply his teachings as he shows us how to do these things. And so that's massively important and crucial for us. And then uh, why Mark uh, specifically? Well, Mark kind of goes uh, really, really quickly. It's the shortest of the Gospels. And uh, Jesus moves from, from one point to the next point to the next point very, very quickly. Uh, and we can kind of see our lives like that. In the season that we're in, it just feels like things are moving very, very yeah. quickly. Yeah. And to see Jesus take hold of that, to not be threatened by that, 
that, then we can learn uh, so much from it in our own lives. And seeing Jesus as uh, the suffering king, if you will. So the first part, things are going great and it's epic. And, uh, and then the second part of Mark, uh, we begin to see him walk towards uh, the cross and, and things change. And so our, our lives are like that. Things can change uh, as you're journeying through life, you turn a corner um, how do you maintain, you know, this single-minded mission and vision? Um, we see Jesus doing it, and so uh, it'll allow us uh, to do the same as well. And so there are uh, uh, just a few reasons to why I think this is necessary and timely uh, for us to be walking through this particular gospel. I love that, mate, the single-mindedness of Jesus. It's a brilliant line. So like I said before, today's Introduction Sunday. Now, I believe that the introduction of the gospel, according to Mark, is like a movie poster. So you guys know what a movie poster is like. If you take a good look at it, then you'll get a good idea of what to expect from this movie and also who the focus should be on. So, uh, Jono, as our resident movie buff, uh, do you agree with us that one can look at a movie poster like that? I mean, I would agree with the, that, that sentiment in terms of the good movie posters. Let's say that right now. So, I mean, good movie posters, you can see the, the best characters, the main characters, the backdrop uh, for the movie. And, and I think it also kind of reveals somewhat of the storyline. Um, that's a classic uh, movie poster, I think from 1999, uh, the very first Matrix. Can you believe that the fourth one's coming out or was due to come out? I don't know if it's going to still be coming out yeah. soon, but... Uh, yeah, this, this is the Matrix. Um, so, so you've got Neo there, the chosen one, um, very much at the forefront of the, of the, of the poster. Morpheus, uh, the leader of the revolution behind him, and then Trinity on my right. Yeah, I think it's your right as well. Uh, and then we've got Cypher there, kind of in the background. And he's, it's interesting, I find that he's, he's facing the opposite way to that team. So I'm wondering mm. if there's something there. Uh, mm. Looks like he may not be the ally that they think he is. And then, of course, you've got the back backdrop of the Matrix. So mm-hmm. they are in the Matrix there. Um, so I recommend the film if you want to check it out for those sci-fi fans. Uh, but yeah, I think that that's, that kind of speaks to a good movie poster, a good introductory picture. And it also takes me back uh, to our teenage years now, doesn't it? Man, yeah. this was a classic. It's one of those, it's one of those very important questions you would find at school during break time is, dude, have you watched The Matrix yet? You really need to do it yeah. if you haven't. I think I watched this movie like five times at the cinema. Like that's, that's how influential, at least in my life it was, but I know it's one of those movies that is known to go and change, change the movie industry business. So guys, as a a gospel-centered church, uh, the gospel for us isn't a matter of history. It is a matter of reality. And that means that the gospel is in the center of everything we consider to be our lives here and now. And we'll see as we move through today's text uh, that Jesus doesn't allow us to sit idle. Uh, We have to make a decision when we deal with Jesus and his earthly life. Um, here are some questions that we're going to be faced with today. Who is running the show here? Who is calling the shots? Mm. Who is the king? Now, personally, I believe that it is of critical importance that we are clear on the answer to this question, especially in this time we are in. I also believe that it is meaningful to draw from the experiences of the people 
in the Bible when we are going through some rough patches and we are exactly yeah. in one of those patches. So check this guys. I only found this in preparation for this sermon. I want to show you um, Psalm 93 real quick. If I can just navigate uh, to that. So check this, the beginning of Psalm 93 in this Christian standard Bible that reads like this. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed enveloped in strength. The world is firmly established. It cannot be shaken. Your throne has been established from the beginning and you are from eternity. That is how yeah. it is. God is king. He is the one calling the shots. Amen. The very next psalm, same book, written in the same context, written in the same time. The very next psalm, Psalm 94, sounds like this. Lord, God of vengeance, God of vengeance, shine. Rise up, judge of the earth. Repay the proud what they deserve. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked celebrate? They pour out arrogant words. All the evildoers boast. Lord, they crush your people. They oppress your heritage. They kill the widow and the resident alien and murder the fatherless. They say, verse 7, the Lord doesn't see it. The God of Jacob doesn't pay attention. How's that for two psalms right next to each other? So Psalm 93 saying, who calls the shots here? Who's the king? Absolutely. It's God himself. Yeah. And then Psalm 94 asking the question, well, what is going on here? And why does it seem like God isn't king anymore? Now, we are not the first people in 2020 to experience this or to even have this question. And therefore, uh, we are going to have to deal with these questions today. So before we jump into it, I think let's read Mark 1 all the way through from verses 1 to 15. And then we'll pray, as we always do. Uh, and as we pray, and as we pray for each other, we ask that you also pray for us. So that as we are scattered today, that God's word would really be life-giving to us. Yeah. So let me read Mark 1. I just want to share that text with you again. And then, John, I'm going to ask you uh, to pray for us before we dive right into the text. Cool. So Mark 1 from the Christian Standard Bible, it reads like this. The Messiah's herald. Herald is an important word. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah, the prophet. See, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way. A voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make his paths straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. John wore a camel hair garment with a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, one who is more powerful than I am is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the straps of his sandals, strap of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. As soon as he came up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. 
immediately the spirit drove him into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and the angels were serving him. After John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Yes, Lord, Holy Father, we come before you this morning. Uh, we just want to come before you, adoring you, Lord God, as, as, as the one who, who is, is running the show here, Lord God, as the one who is in control. And Lord God, we come before you acknowledging that you are our king. Um, we thank you for the, the, the blessing of technology. We thank you that we can meet as the church scattered here this morning. Um, I thank you, Lord God, for my brothers, um, as we get this opportunity, this privilege to be able to delve into your word today. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would lead us in that, um, that you would um, lead the community right now, Lord God. Lead us as a family um, through what you would want us to see, to hear, uh, to say and do, Lord God. Lord God, we, we come before you just pleading, Lord God, that, that right now that you would speak, speak now, speak clearly that through us, your servants, through your word, mm. uh, through your Holy Spirit. Uh, may, we, may we know you, may we know you more, may we come to uh, love you more through this time. And Lord God, we, we pray for everyone hearing this message. May this be a message that in this time now, in the middle of COVID-19, brings hope, brings mm. you glory. And uh, Lord God, just draws us closer to you. Yeah. We thank you for this privilege. And we ask this all in Jesus' mighty and holy name. Amen and amen. Amen. Thanks, mate. So, some context to the piece of scripture we just read. Firstly, Mark assumes you know the story of the Old Testament. Classic illustration, I know it's very uh, rooted, but that's like showing a trailer to Infinity War and then just assuming that you know how the story got to this point in the Marvel franchise. Like, this is what's going to go down now. This is what the focus is on. I assume that you know where all of these characters come from. We're not going to spend some time unpacking all of them. So I want to show you uh, just two pictures uh, taken from the Bible Project. It's the map they drew up on the Gospel of Mark, uh, just for some context. So let me just navigate to that real quick. So thank you, Neo. Cheers. There we go. So this is the first picture. And here's, the th here's what I want you to see, that Mark was a real person. He's referred to in the Bible as John Mark. And uh, he was a co-worker of Peter, the Apostle. And also Paul, the apostle. So we read about him in First Peter and in Colossians. That's sometimes important for me to at least just show in the beginning of the gospel is this was a real person writing a real story. Yeah. And uh, the early church historian, he said that Mark, uh, Mark's work was a collection of Peter's eyewitness because John Mark didn't see Jesus himself do all these things, but Peter told him all of these things, and that's what he wrote down. What's interesting is on this side of the slide, you'll see that the only time that Mark tells you what he thinks of this character is right in the beginning of the gospel. And we'll get back to that now. So in the bottom of the, uh, of the picture, here, you'll see chapter one, verse one is where Mark says, this is what I think of this person. Let me tell you more. And then you can make up your own mind. I like that. Short, sweet, single-minded, right down to the point. There's an urgency for him to tell you exactly who 
he is telling you about. So that's the first pick I want you to have in your head. And then the second pick uh, can be loosely referred to in Mark as Act 1, and that all takes place in Galilee. So you'll see from chapter 1 all the way through to chapter 8, Jesus will be in Galilee. The main question that the story will try to answer is who is Jesus? And if you look in the middle of this section drawn up by the Bible project, uh, you see this scene that we'll speak about now in chapter 1, verse 9 to 11. And this is just a great summary of this whole piece that we are looking at now. So the story has an origin. It comes from the Old Testament. There was a person that pointed to Jesus that said that Jesus is this specific person. And then we see this specific person, the Messiah, the King. We'll get to all of those titles a little bit later, having one single message in chapter 1, verse 15. So I'll get back to this picture a little bit later. I just always think that if you see something visually, it just helps you to tie some things down in your head. So that's the context um, of the gospel of Mark. So right out the gates, we see that he tells us who this Jesus is. Uh, We're going to spend a lot of time in Galilee, so strap yourselves in. And uh, if you look at that picture that I showed you, uh, you'll see everything that's important in this first uh, passage right here that we read. Good. Really good. And I love the fact that right out the gates, you, you feel the urgency, you feel uh, that, hey, man, we, we, we're moving and we're moving quick. Boom, 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 boom. It feels like uh, you're watching your favorite uh, series uh, and literally it's episode after episode after episode. But before we jump into all of this, I think it's important to uh, explain uh, what the gospel is. What does the word gospel mean? It's a term that we use a lot and we're going to yeah. use quite a bit of it as we make our way through this series, but let's not assume, right, that everyone knows what that means. So, so what is gospel and what does it mean in this particular context? Mm-hmm. That's a good question, mate. And because of the urgency and the pace of the story, you can just glance over these words as if they mean exactly what we say they mean, you know. Mm-hmm. So the word gospel in the Greek text is the word evangelion. And evangelion, uh, which is where we get uh, evangelism, evangelical, evangelistic. Uh, It all comes from the Greek word evangelion. And that means in one line, good news about a king. That's what evangelion was in the first century. That's what what gospel was in the first century. So in the ancient world, whenever there was a new king that came to power, heralds or messengers would literally go out and they would announce, the new king has come to reign. This is the good news of this new king. I think in the world we live in, it would be like someone sending mass mail out with a huge announcement. Or in hashtag COVID-19 terms, it's like a presidential announcement in our day. I don't know uh, if you guys picked up on this during lockdown, but the moment the statement releases that says, President Cyril Ramaphosa will address the nation, I just hear phones going as people send that around. Now, that's exactly what Evangelion was in the New Testament time, is good news about a king. Now, I think it's important that we just pause here for a second and realize what Mark is actually writing to these people that he's writing this gospel to. It's a group of people in Rome, right under the nose of the Caesar, who is supposed to be their king. And Mark starts his letter with 
Uh, no, someone else rules here, and his name is Jesus Christ. Sure. He is the anointed king. That's what the word Christ means. It's not Jesus' surname. Christ means the anointed king. So this is a, a weighty piece of literature. You know, I think in the first century, uh, this could have been called hardcore propaganda, according to the Roman kingdom, because according to them, there's only one king and he's Caesar. But everyone really has a hard time under this king. Mm. So for the marginalized in the first century, this was the best news ever. And that's why Mark starts his gospel in that way. Let me tell you some good news. Let me tell you who is king. The only person here who's king is Jesus Christ. And mm. he is the anointed one. Now, this whole story comes from somewhere. And that, in essence, is the meaning of verses 1 to 5. So I'm not going to navigate back to verses 1 to 5, but you can have your Bible open with you and just check it out. So just two short things. Verses 1 to 5 says, here's a great story, and it's going to change your life. And this story isn't random. It comes from some place. You know, if I can just make a quick apologetic remark here, people often say, you know, that the gospel stories are too random, you know, the supernatural nature of it doesn't make sense anymore these days. And then I go, dude, listen, the Bible didn't start at the Gospels. There's a massive story leading up to the Gospels. This didn't come out of nowhere. Jesus wasn't this sage or wise guy that just, you know, said these cool tweetable things. He comes from a certain place and with a certain purpose. And that's what Mark states. So Mark says, using a little mashup of some of the prophet Isaiah's words, Mm -hmm. he says, um, Isaiah prophesied that God will bring salvation. Yeah. Isaiah prophesied that God will send his servant. Isaiah said that there's a messenger that will announce all of this. So let me keep it short and sweet. Isaiah said it's going to happen. It happened. The messenger's name is John the Baptist. Keeps it really short. And then after that comes this significant story of Jesus's baptism. This significant declaration of Jesus's identity. And we see that for the first time in the gospel. So good. Reno, looking ahead a bit, if we look at verses 9 and 11, um, yeah. would you say it's a reference or even an explanation of the, tr- of the Trinity? Yes, but I think we can. So uh, let me take you back to the pic because there's something there that I want to show you. I'm still getting used to this uh, Zoom share screen vibe. But let me take you back to the picture uh, real quick. So let's go back to uh, the words of Isaiah that was used in the first few verses. So Isaiah said, God himself will sort this out. Mm-hmm. Isaiah also said that God will send his servant, one that will suffer, one that will be called the son, and one who will be referred to as the son of man. And the prophet Isaiah also said that he will reign as a king. Now in the Old Testament, the anointing of a king was also the moment where the people believed that God's spirit now dwells on this person. This is the appointed and anointed person to lead us now. So that was the expectation from the Old Testament about this Jesus that will come. Now, this part in Mark isn't meant to be a teaching on the Trinity. It's meant to be a story about the Trinity. And that's so brilliant. So check this. So God himself is going to sort this out. 
God speaks in this part. He's going to send someone, the servant, also his son, and then God uses the word son. And how do we know that this son is the real deal and that this son is the real king? Well, the spirit descends like the dove. So everything that we expected from this savior is all captured in the scene in Mark. So who is this person? Is this person God? Is this person the suffering servant? Or is this person the king filled with God's spirit? Uh, Yes. (laughs) That's the answer. And that's what makes Mark so incredible. Mark is like, guys, listen, just focus here for me. You cannot argue with who this person is. And he puts the story of the Trinity out there. So I do believe that we can use this as a beautiful explanation for the Trinity, uh, if you know where it comes from. So after this, and this is the crazy part of Mark for me. So after this, um, this beautiful story of the Trinity, it just says Jesus was driven into the wilderness. And uh, if I read it on first glance, I'll ask the question, uh, why? What did he do wrong? You know? The wilderness in the New Testament wasn't a game reserve. You know, they had lions and giraffes and hippos and that kind of vibe. The wilderness in the New Testament was a place where no one was supposed to live. And here we see the first showdown in the story. The first real conflict comes to us in verses 12 to 13. Mm. Mm. So good. So, so good. And in this showdown, um, Reno, there's the mention of, of, of Satan. Yeah. Um, and so why why the mention of satan and we get told yeah. about um, some wild animals why the yeah. mention of these wild animals why, why does mark go into this detail and i really love uh, that you highlighted the wilderness there's uh, some applications there for us but before we jump too quickly there uh, why the mention of these two things satan and the wild animals so if you just think of the story of the bible satan or the satan this evil presence and being He's been at it for a really long time. This is the human battle in the Bible. So it started in chapter three in the form of a servant. And the Satan has been successful through the story of the Old Testament in breaking and robbing and stealing and lying and deceiving, you know. So all through the story of the Bible, the battle has always been against the evil one, this presence just undermining everything that God created to be good and to show his image. If you think of the Matrix poster uh, earlier and we have the actual Matrix in the backdrop, you know, that's part of the story of the Matrix is who are we fighting against here? Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of people in the Matrix they never even knows that they're on the Matrix, you know, like their battle is against whatever it is that they choose to battle. Mm. But then you've got You've got Neo and Morpheus and that old team going, no, 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 Look, listen, guys, the actual battle is against something far greater. Yeah, yeah. And it was the same for the people that read this gospel because some of them were, uh, were caught in the thought of, well, it seems like our battle is against the Roman Empire. It seems like if we can just overturn mm. this oppressive regime of earthly reign, then things will be better. And Mark goes, no, 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 listen, think movie poster. This is the story 
of the anointed king. And right out the gates, I'm going to tell you that his fight is not against Roman rule. His fight is against the Satan. So where did this fight against the Satan start? Well, it started with a guy that could walk among wild animals Hmm. in the garden. Hmm. Think about it. Right? That was Adam. Yeah. <laughs> That's where it all started. Now yeah. Mark says, and he's the only one to include this detail. You're right when you asked that on it. Now Mark says, this new guy uh, that can also walk sure. among wild animals, he'll pick up this age-old fight. And that is what he's here for. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. good. It is the fight. It's like he's the one that can sort out the matrix because mm. he's going to finish it. Mm. And that's also what we should have in our minds as we navigate towards the end of the gospel. Do you guys remember TV games? I mean, <laughs> really old school. Uh, in Street Fighter or in Tekken, yeah. you would always reach that phase when you, uh, you know, when you absolutely obliterate the character. And then it says, finish him. You know, and the guy stands there kind of reeling from the fight. And then he needs one more punch. Boom, and he's down. So Mark says, this guy, will finish mm, the fight. It's amazing. Mm. And what I just love about Mark is Mark now says at this part in the story, let me, Mark, the writer, let him, Jesus, I've already told you what I think of him, speak for himself. Mm. And here's the amazing thing about what Jesus says. And I just want to take us through that real quick. So let me just navigate back um, to the Bible. So still in Mark 1. Here we go. So check this. Jesus speaks. Here's what he says. He proclaims good news mm-hmm. about a king. All of a sudden, this feels like the Liberty Life Learning Channel. You know, me pointing out with my cursor where I am on the screen. I know I should have listened, I should have listened to that man back in the day. <laughs> no, that is the truth. That you should definitely listen to this man right now. <laughs> Thanks, my Tom. So... Then it says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So he sets up the story that we know exactly who we are dealing with. And then he says, let me give this person a chance to speak. And guys, here's what this person says. Just look at it with me. The time for God to rule is here. Mm -hmm. It has come close. And here's what I need from you. And this is amazing for me. Jesus didn't say repent and believe at the end of his earthly ministry with so-called proof to his claims. Just think about this, guys. That's why it's called faith. We don't have any proof to move on. We believe before we see. Mm. So Jesus says, listen, the time for God to rule is close. And here's what I need you to do. Repent. Now, we always say that repent in the New Testament means turning, you know, turning from one thing towards another or turning away from something towards something. But this is a very specific Greek word Mark uses. It's the word um, metanoete. It means get a new brain. Come to a new mind. I need you to restart this thing up here. Because if you're going to come to me with your preconceived ideas, you might go, yeah, Jesus, that sounds quite cool, but I'm going to be off and continue what I'm doing. So this is a huge claim, guys, at the beginning of the gospel. 
yeah. repent, come to a new mind. And then the second thing that I'm asking from you is to believe. Just that. Just believe. And how I, you know, how I receive these words is take my hand and walk with me and let me help you with this. I want to show you this kingdom of God. I want to show you what it looks like when God rules. So get a new brain. Think about me in a completely new way. And just believe and allow me to reveal to you what this kingdom of God looks like. And then the story starts, you know. Uh, you know that you sometimes get series that's got a really long jingle or intro song. And then you get series that has a really short one. So this is a series that has a really short one. It's like end of one episode, next episode will start in two seconds, boom, and we are off again. Because in verse 16, Jesus is right down to action. So the rest of the Gospel of Mark, and this is just a, a trailer for you know, what lies ahead for us for the next how many weeks we have doing this, is that Mark continues the Gospel by showing us what this kingdom looks like. And he also shows us how people reacted to this. And that's what our focus will be on as the weeks go by. Mm. I want to share a quote with you guys. So let me just take away the scripture reading there. I want to share a quote with you guys. It's from N.T. Wright. He says, Mark's story allows us to see a new vision of God's people. Love it. Defined by the kingdom. Yes, come on. Transformed by the life of new creation. Oh, Easter weekend. Crossing ethnic and social boundaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what we're about. Having compassion for the poor and destitute. Man, hashtag COVID-19 gives us a lot of chance to do that. Holding a faith that can move mountains. Enduring under persecution. Persistent in prayer. So my question to you, I want to throw one back at you, is uh, why should we as a church, specifically Rooted Fellowship, deal with this reality here and now. Mm. I mean, the quote I read is beautiful. There's a lot going on there. But I also get the sense that we actually have a lot going on at the moment, just in our lives. Mm. The everyday hustle of lockdown, all the information coming to us, all the so-called predictions from the futurists of what lie ahead. Why Mm. should I, as a congregant of this church, or as a member of this church family, say, you know what? I'm all in for this. Let's do this. Mm, that's good, man. That's good. Uh, look, we, we, we're in un- some unusual times. This is an unusual season. Uh, but for the people of God throughout history, this is not unprecedented. Um, that there are many times throughout history where uh, people have experienced great uncertainty, uh, whether it's war, uh, whether it's a pandemic like the one we are experiencing. Um, but yet the people of God are still called to be the people of God. And so I love the quote that N.T. Wright um, gives us, uh, where he kind of puts a picture of uh, what the people of God are longing for, you know, driven by the gospel, by the news. Uh, We're longing for something new, something different. And I love the end of his quote, uh, where he says that we're persistent in prayer. Um, and, And it takes me to when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. So we see that in Mark uh, Mark 11, um, but kind of detailed and fleshed out in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, and it's a prayer that many of us know. If you're familiar with the church, uh, you would know it. It comes in different forms. Uh, I know the old school one, uh, which is our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. See how old school I am. Uh, <laughs> thy, thy kingdom come, right? So, so verse 
10, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Um, and so we're, we're taught to pray that, that what is happening in heaven would come down to earth, yeah. that earth would begin to experience this, this new heaven, this new creation. And this is where God is in complete control, sovereign, um, that there's no more pain, uh, no more grief. It's just everlasting joy. And so when we are experiencing what we are experiencing now, um, we, we don't panic. Uh, we shouldn't be paralyzed. But what we do is we point people to Jesus, our King and our Savior, who is, in a sense, ushering in this new kingdom. And he's chosen to do that through the people of God. Uh, and so at Rooted Fellowship, we'll often say that we're a gospel-centered, disciple-making, transcultural church. And so you see that in N.T. Wright's uh, definition. Mm. You see that uh, in the scriptures, that we're driven by the gospel. Uh, we want to see the multiplying effect of the gospel in people's lives through the making of disciples. And then we want to see God's creative genius put on display, this, this transcultural kingdom. Um, and, and if we don't believe, even in times of uncertainty, even in times of chaos, if we don't believe, um, then the question is, when how will people then see? If God has chosen yeah. to use his people, uh, to yeah. put himself on display, and yet we are found cowering away, uh, then how will people see? Um, and, and so it, I think of uh, Tim Keller, uh, to give you another a great uh, theologian. He, he says this. He says, if we say, I believe in Jesus, but it doesn't affect the way we live, the answer is not that now we need to add hard work to our faith so much mm -hmm. that, that we haven't truly understood or believed in Jesus at all. And yeah. so you just shared a little bit about Jesus being in the wilderness. It feels like we're in the wilderness right now. And before COVID-19, I'm sure uh, many of us could say, well, this was my wilderness or that was my wilderness. Uh, but if we forget that Jesus himself was in the wilderness and conquered being yeah. in that space and because he's with us, then, then we too uh, can, can defeat whatever it is that lies in front of us. Uh, and it's not by our own power or strength, but it's by the supernatural power of the gospel. And so that, that is why this is important. That is why this is crucial, um, that we believe this, that we believe in what Jesus is doing, that we, we watch him and we study him and we see him so that we might follow. And as he ushers in the new kingdom, we're simply his ambassadors, uh, putting on display the kingdom of God. And, and so let me, uh, let me, I see your N.T. Wright quote. Uh, let me, let me give you another N.T. Wright uh, quote where he says, Mark, uh, Mark is a book to challenge believers who are committed only as far as their own uh, convenience allows, urging them to embrace the self-giving love of the way of Jesus, the self-giving love of the way of Jesus. So, Reno, let me ask you, how, how does this speak into our current situation of anxiety, uncertainty, and even tangible challenges like the, the loss of income? This is real. We're, we're, what we're experiencing is real. And so, so folks who are maybe listening or watching this are going, man, um, I, I may not be in the desert like Jesus was, but man, it feels like my bank account is about to go into some desert times. Um, what does this mean for me? How do, how, how do I navigate through this in light of what we're hearing from Mark? And so the joy of playing in a team 
and the joy of playing midfield is I can also pass the ball to someone on the wing. So in this case, I'm going to pass the question to Jono uh, as our pastor, you know. And uh, Jono, I think it's a phenomenal question. Yeah. And um, the reason why I want to pass it to you is using the word challenging believers in a time that many of us might feel over-challenged already. Yeah. It's kind of a tough one to digest, but we can't shy away from the challenge that yeah. is presented to us in the gospel. So how do you think this does speak into our current situations? I think it does two things. I think it, um, it in a sense, gives us no place to hide, and then it drives us into community. So let me double-click those. Um, it is no longer convenient, I think, at this moment in time to be a Christian uh, in 2020, a gospel-loving Christian. Um, it calls of something. It calls something of me. It's, it caused me to be out of my comfort zone. It caused me to be hopeful. When I look around and I, I see disaster and chaos, it caused me to be optimistic and, 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 and believe in something when, when so many around me are being negative. Um, and that I think calls me to rely on family. So we're, we're, we're about family. We're about fellowship. That's what we're about as a church. But I believe that that's what Christians are about. We are about family and community. And I can, I can't do those things in isolation. I can't be hopeful. Um, I, I, I left to myself. I'm, I'm anxious in community. If I'm left to myself, I'll become completely um, debilitated by anxiety and fear. Um, so those things are happening. But I think that, that this, 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 pandemic drives us into community this quote drives us into community jesus calls us into community and mm-hmm. so um yeah i mean i one thing i'm realizing even as a, as as a pastor um and and engaging with folks now is that meeting with people whether it be on this format or online uh i used to think it was kind of for them i'm realizing more and more it's for them and me um mm-hmm. being there for one another does something for our souls um you know, giving, having the opportunity to assist someone else financially it does something for us. Uh, it, it, it reminds us of what Jesus did and it points us back to, to, to the Father. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I think that's, that, that is what I'd say that, that pushes us to at this time. Yeah. Right, so I, I just want to ask a follow-up question, uh, which might be a little bit more practical, or one level down or one click more. Um, now, taking all of the challenges of lockdown into account, firstly, you know, lots of video calls, lots of text, lots of input, lots of data being burned. Um, how will you personally motivate yourself to take up a gospel and to dive yeah. into it in a proper way? Because that's what we are inviting our whole church yeah. in. Guys, take yeah. the gospel of Mark, read it, read it, read it, and reread it. How will you motivate yourself to do yeah. that? That's good, man. I think, um, I think you mentioned it in, was it in verse 14 when you said uh, we need to be of a new mind. Is that right? Is yeah. Verse 14? Yeah, yeah. And I think we need to set our minds on, on things above. Colossians 3, 1 to 2. We need to be of a new mind. We need to, you know, um, seek God's face. And, and, and we need to be intentional about that. So I was, I was chatting to my dad last week and he was saying, I think, I think someone from his church was challenging them to the amount of time that you spend watching news and, and, and on social media. Um, how about just spend that time in the word and in prayer? Mm, um, I mean, you know, I mean, if you think about it, the, the amount of stuff that we're consuming, uh, how much time are we spending in the word? Mm. Uh, and so uh, it's been a challenge for me. I'm, you know, I'm constantly on podcasts. I'm constantly checking out media. Um, but am I spending that time in the word? And so I think uh, as I reflect, as I'm, as I'm reflecting now, as I, as I go out into this week now ahead of us, that that's going to be something that I, that I need to put at the forefront of my mind. Am I spending the time on the word? Am I directing my thoughts to my living Lord and Savior? Um, 
you know, uh, it's good, we man. need to, we need to be mindful of the fact that, that this, 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 this could go on for a while, but God is sufficient for us and he will carry us through, through whatever it comes our way. Mm-hmm. But if I was sitting next to Marie, like I do most of the times on a Sunday service, I would have gone, now that is a rapper. That is a rapper. Oh, now I want to ask you uh, to, to end our sermon, our tag team effort in prayer. And uh, here's what I want to ask you. Will you end it for us as a prayer from the pastor? Now, the reason why I'm saying that is I'm very aware in these days that we are in, uh, you know, how, just how much is going through our minds and uh, how many things we have to think about and uh, also how mindful we have to be as pastors of people yeah. um, about their own whereabouts and their own spiritual growth and what have you. So I don't know about you guys, but I am praying for our people probably two to three times more than I used to be or than I used to pray because they are on my mind the whole time. So after all of this was said, uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, what is the pastor's prayer for us? And what are you trusting God for? But then I realized we might just as well pray together. So can I ask you to finish this off in prayer? Sure. And, um, you know, but, but before I do that, before I pray, um, let me give you my heart so that you understand the prayer. Um, yeah. And I'm going to end us where I started. You know, so why, why are we going through uh, this particular book, why a gospel, right? A gospel narrative. Why, why, why this uh, book in this time? And so we've just come out of, like I said, Good Friday and Easter, where we looked at the resurrection of Jesus. And, uh, and it's again, seeing his supernatural power. This is a supernatural power of God, the Trinity of which you just spoke about. And so I get this picture of Jesus being in the tomb and a sign uh, saying on the inside of the tomb, uh, saying, uh, no, exit right there's no exit um and yet the supernatural power of god uh allows god to exit the tomb and so the tomb yeah empty and so we celebrate that we live in light of yeah. resurrection but now it's going to the beginning right so if you think of a, a series a tv series you know you start uh, episode one at the end and then it kind of backtracks and now it goes all the way to the beginning to give you context uh, well jesus is uh, entry into the world also required supernatural power. So Jesus is born of a virgin woman, um, supernatural power. And so yet we're called to believe in that as well. Um, yeah. And so we can't just live in, in light of the, the, the power of the resurrection on its own um, and go, you know what, that means that death has no more power over me. Um, I know how the story ends. And so um, if I die today, then I will be with Jesus. That is true. But if I wake up tomorrow and the day after and the day after, what then? Well, I need to tap into the supernatural power of Jesus. And Jesus goes, well, I'm not just going to tell you about it. Here, let me live it so that you might follow me. Um, and so my, my prayer is that we would follow Jesus um, a, a, in good times and in tough times. Um, you know, we, we need his power uh, through our entire journey. Um, all of life requires that. And so my prayer is that. My heart for our time in the series is that we would literally moment by moment uh, just look at Jesus and then go, how can I follow you? Um, in, yeah. in the difficult days, how can I follow you? When my heart doesn't want to, how can I follow you? And then knowing that he's there every step of the way. Uh, and when we do that, man, we will see some incredible things. We, 
we are a people um, of incredible faith, uh, but that is anchored in the gospel. And through that, God does amazing things through us. Um, and so that, that's my heart, that we would be remembered as that, uh, that uh, the generations to come would look back on us, would look back on the church and go, you know what, even in the midst of a pandemic, man, yeah. look at the people of God. And then yeah. we would just go, you think that's yeah. amazing? Hey, let me point you to Jesus. Oof. Look at our amazing God. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Mark does an incredible job uh, of telling that story of Jesus, fixing our eyes on him, the author and perfecter of our faith. And so with that, permit me to pray um, yeah. Pray for us. Let me uh, pray for, for our church, for those tuning in. Um, let's pray for those who gather in the name of Jesus, um, that they would experience this, this power that comes from him. Yeah. And so, Father, we, uh, we, we come to you asking that you would do this very thing uh, that we are asking for, that you would meet us where we are, uh, that many uh, who have tuned into this are in difficult places. Um, they know what keeps them up at night. Uh, there's so many things uh, that, that makes their hearts anxious. And so, Lord, I pray uh, that you would cause us to be still, still enough that we might be able to see you for who you are, even though uh, things are moving at lightning speeds and we're getting new information every day. Father, I pray uh, that we would only be focused on the information that truly matters. And that is you, Jesus. Um, What you have said to us uh, matters dearly. Uh, And so, Lord, may we take hold of it. Lord, I pray uh, that folks' hearts would be stirred yet again um, by just the beauty of the gospel, that we would see your sacrifice, but we'd also see that, Lord, you walked this earth. You lived the life uh, that we should have lived, um, and that was pleasing to God. And so because of that, uh, those who are in the gospel, we are seen in that way uh, that God is pleased with us. Uh, Lord, I pray uh, for those who don't know you, Lord. I pray that they would use this opportunity to begin to question uh, the truths that have been uh, made uh, by the gospel. And that, Holy Spirit, you would answer them and that you would surround them with your people, uh, that they would feel loved. Uh, Would you save many as you always do? Bring them into the family. Uh, Lord, we love you. We need you. Open our eyes. uh, Tune our ears to you so that we might hear you ever so clearly. Uh, Let our hearts be captured by just the richness of grace that comes from you. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.